Hello everybody, welcome to the SideQuest Podcast. My name is Luke. And I'm BJ. And we are back to normal. It's been a, it's been a bit. We've had a couple... Oh, shit. We've had a couple episodes that have been kind of special and fun, but now we're back to the, the normal grind of some gaming news and just the general gist of this podcast. Hell yeah. How you been, BJ? I've been alright. Uh, I've been doing a lot of things. Um, I started getting way more into VR chat than I ever have been before now that I have like friends that play it. Yeah. Uh, I got on there last night with my sister and her friend Ethan and we went to a McDonald's map and uh, ended up getting chased by several Michael Jacksons. So that was fun. Um, Did that, watched... Well, the the Far Cry DLC came out, the Voss one, which we talked about last episode, and I watched replay it, and it's basically what if Far Cry was a roguelike? <laughs> um, <laughs> we've been having like a huge thing for roguelikes recently. Yeah, and it was it was funny because I uh, I was playing Hades all day yesterday, and she was playing that, and I was like, we're basically doing the same shit. Um, but I I did beat Hades yesterday. Which is a great accomplishment for me. I feel great about that. The um, the credits roll. They play this amazing song called "In the Blood," and everything is seemingly right in the world of Hades. And I feel so very accomplished. It's it's glad that the game has like a definitive end. Yeah, like I'm sure if the developers want to do a sequel, they will. But like I like Absolutely. I like when games are like, hey. This is it. This is the story. We're not going to tease you for a possible sequel. We're not we didn't like make this to make a series. We thought this game was cool. Here you go. Yeah. I um my biggest thing right now is that I still have a couple of like loose ends in the house to tie up. So I'm going through and trying to unlock every weapon aspect, um upgrade them all fully and then finish out the mirror because I have the last like thing to do. And it's like thousands of darkness every time you upgrade it, so that's taking me a while. Um, but it's it's a fantastic game, and whatever they put out next, I just hope it's more Hades esque. It might not be because I think this is the same. I think didn't they do Bastion? Um, I, th- I believe this think is the same so. developer. If not, I'm pretty sure they just kind of do whatever they want to do. That's why Hades was so good, is because they're like, let's make a roguelike. Yeah. And they did. Bastion, I think, is Bastion is also kind of rogue like ish but it wasn't like a full like like hades roguelike hades very very much is a is a different roguelike because like to me like roguelikes are i mean to me i guess technically you could call like a castlevania and metroid roguelikes in a sense because some are like that Mm -hmm. hades is if you took the like top down combat of like a diablo mixed it with the exploration of a metroid in castlevania but then gave you the difficulty of like the souls or like dead cells, which dead cells, another great roguelike. Indeed. Um, but like, that's kind of Hades blends a lot of things together really well. And then has, I think some of the best written characters of a video game, like in the, in general, indie games are fucking popping off. Like, 
Yeah, I mean, we'll get into this later, Remember, but I think indie games are going to be the new big games. The, the thing that I've, I've seen, and we'll probably get to this, but like I feel like indie games are going to become AAA. Mm-hmm. The AAA games are going to dip down. Like People who, who were AAA devs are going to now start trying to make indie games like that, and it's it's a recycle thing. So we're Konami's gonna... already on that train. Yeah. So. I'm, I'm really hoping we get a Castlevania. Yeah. I want a new Castlevania game, especially because the anime is over. Also, fucking put season four on Blu-ray right now, you cowards. Just give me a box set of everything. Well, I would pay so much money for that. I My thing is I'm going to pay the money for the box set, but like I want all four of the standard Blu-ray releases in their sleeves, so nice mm-hmm. on the shelf, and then get the collector big dick edition that's only for people like me who really like the show. Make it look like the, uh, the Belmont bestiary. Ooh. That would be so dope. Oh, shit. If they don't do that, I'm going to be disappointed now. You've ruined it for me. <laughs> You've really ruined that, cl- whatever they do for that now. <laughs> Sorry. No, nah, it's it's whatever. <laughs> but, uh, no, like, Hades is just great. Like, I can't say that for a lot of games where I can just go, yeah, no, I, like, I have no problems with the game. Yeah. And while it's personally not one of my favorites of all time, it's like, I can sit there and go, yeah, no, I can clearly see where this could be, like, top five games of all time for somebody mm-hmm. like i i just have different tastes where i like roguelikes they're never my top but like fucking great game fucking amazing yeah i uh now that i'm kind of like cooling off on it after i fully get everything finished in the game i think i might cool off with some binding of isaac for a couple of weeks and then move on to something else yeah i i kind of like you know games like this because like when you look at Hades and kind of all the content it has, like it was how much did it release for? Like it came bucks? out at I think it was twenty five thirty. Yeah, and it's like the amount of content in that game alone is the amount of content you'd find in like a seventy dollar open world, like third like big budget action game. Yeah. Like you probably have a you, like you're doing more content in Hades that's like more meaningful to the story and characters than I'm doing in Valhalla, where it's like I'm just raiding, which I'm only doing because I guess Eivor is a Viking, and then it's like yeah, but go assassinate the these these order people. Why? Because your friend Hytham asked you to, and you're like okay. Whereas like everything in Hades falls back onto. Zag, Zag, yeah, Zag. Yeah. Zag's whole thing of getting out. Mm-hmm. He wants to escape. He wants to leave. He's fucking sick of that shit. And he wants to leave. And so everything falls back to that. Every decision that he makes, everything you do in that game falls back to I want to get the fuck out. Yep. And when you do, it's fucking awesome. It's a, it's actually a really good feeling. And then like seeing all these other characters who also have to go through problems, who also go through these things, seeing they, they have lives and love and everything else. And you're like, it, it's also cool. Cause it kind of makes Zag like realize that, Oh, he's not the only one going through some shitty things like this. Cause like, yeah. there's that moment of, he's got that. I want to get out here. Dad won't let me leave. And then like you, you meet everybody else. Dad and, won't let me go to warp tour. I'm yeah. leaving. <laughs> And, like, you see everybody else in, like, Zagreus getting that, like, Zagreus? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's Zagreus. Hades' son um, kind of realizing that, like, okay, like, I still want to leave, but, like, helping people along the way, doing other things, like, it's no longer just about him. Yeah. And I think they do such a good job with the characters. Also, Hades' voice actor is fucking amazing. Yeah, I I, I really want to see, like, one of those indie fighting games, like, maybe... Um 
Brawlhalla or something mm-hmm. incorporate some Hades characters because yeah. I I think Hades would make a good one. Zagreus obviously. Um, I mean, there's tons of them. You could put Megara in there. That would be cool. Megara is my favorite. Like I know Than- Thanatos is like the better like option, but like the the whole like you know I gotta kill you right. Yeah. Thing is so like it's I'm such a I love that stuff. Hey Matt, Matt's online. Matt is online. He's on a Back to the Future hoverboard. But um, one of my favorite things about Megara is that I feel like they specifically tried to make her sound like Meg from Hercules, and that like boosted it way higher for me. They definitely knew what they were doing there. But um, like going back to comparing it to AAA, like the closest thing I can compare it to, even though they're not in the same genre, is Persona. And Persona doesn't even go this far with building character relationships and inside jokes between characters. And at some points in those games, it feels like, you know, you don't hear from this person for like 50 hours and then here they are. They're your best friend again. Well, it's like uh, case in point, like you go through this entire first arc with On, Mm -hmm. right? And then it's just like she can't be sexualized. She's not an object. And the game then refers to her as kind of an object of sexual humor for the rest of the game. Yeah. Or, and, and then like, she's not really that important. Like she's part of the Phantom Thieves. Sure. But like after her arc is done, yeah, like she, that's pretty much it. Yeah. And like you have moments with her and obviously if you romance her and like get to know her, like sure. But like, yeah, a lot of that happens where you, you meet a character in an arc and then if that arc's done, they're not important anymore. Mm-hmm. You got to continue. That's how I felt about uh, Chie in 4, and her arc was done super quick. Yeah. Well, yeah, because she's one of the first people you meet. Like, that's kind of the thing is, like... And I, God forbid uh, Ryuji and y- Yosuke, mm-hmm. uh, where it's like, oh, they're just the best friend characters, so they get the persona really soon after. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, f- fair. And that's it. So they get it, and, they're, and you have this small arc for them, and then they're just kind of the comic relief for the rest of the game. Yeah. Like Ryuji gets just kind of shit on the whole persona five. And it, and like, there's a moment later where it's like, he like no spoilers, especially if you're going to go play it. Uh, but like, there's a moment that happens in the, the team, some of them berate, berate him for it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's more, it's less about them actually like getting mad at Ryuji more like motherfucker. You had us worried. Yeah. And, and it's like, okay, cool. But and um, it, it's kind of strange seeing that coming from persona four, because in persona three, Junpei, his arc stretches through the whole game. Yeah, like, dude, Persona 3, from a story perspective, at least when, with the characters, I think is so good. Because every character, for the most part, obviously some, like, Yukari is still kind of the weakest one of that, I think, that game. But every character is, like, once you meet them, to the end of the game, for the mm-hmm. most part. With some of them, it's just straight up like, oh, you, I'm never going to see you again. Yeah. And it's sad. It's even worse when you play the portable version. Yeah. And you add the romance to it. And you're like, ah, shit. Yeah. But yeah, no, like, I... Triple A game... What, Matt? He invited you to a party. No. <laughs> I'm not... Matt, I'm recording a podcast. I'm not playing <laughs> Xbox with you. Leave us alone. Um, But, like, it's... It's so cool that, like, Hades has gotten the love and attention it deserves. Mm-hmm. Because, like... To me, indie games need that, and I think we're going to start to get there. Because AAA gaming has definitely gotten more disappointing over the years, where we're still going to have the Ghost of Tsushima and, like, you know, the pretty much anything PlayStation puts out. Um, yeah. And, like, your occasional, like, hidden gems and, and stuff like that. But 
the problem is that like all of the main developers that everybody has loved, like CD Projekt, Project, and uh, Rockstar, and all these developers who people said were untouchable, right, are now kind of being like, ah, yeah, they're showing the the chinks in their armor, and like. Sure, we still got from software, but they the way they make games is feels like an indie game, mm. but it, with a AAA budget, which is I think is what AAA gaming should be. It still feels like an indie title where you are doing everything you can with the budget you have, which is why people are excited for Elden Ring. Like, yeah, it's another Souls game from from Soft, but like looking at the trailers, seeing people talk about the gameplay seeing the love and care that was put into the lore and the world, it's like, oh no, this is going to be that AAA big dick experience that we kind of want. Mm-hmm. And you're so, and you're, we're still going to have our Jedi Fallen Orders and our elders, you know, our Elden Rings and whatever. Um, I have high hopes for Hogwarts Legacy. Like, I, I think these games are going to be good. Like, Gotham Knights and Suicide Squad look good. But, like, we're getting less and less of those, like, great games like when you like case in point um there's that picture that goes around that was like look at all the games that came out in 2007 mm-hmm. and it's like all all these games where it's like it's the first in that series that has now become a staple yeah the orderly series well, like things. assassin's creed mass effect bioshock gears of war i think well no it's 2009 but still you know what i mean like yeah right in that time period was when a lot of these things found their footing but like i like, I think it's interesting to talk about how indie is becoming more like AAA, because to me, in my mind, indie has always been the sect of game developers that want to emulate how AAA used to be when yeah. they really cared about the experience. Like, I, I think I brought this up before, but Bug Fables. Bug Fables is the new Paper Mario game that we will never get again. <laughs> and uh, there's a lot of that in the indie scene that... I don't think any company is ever going to go back to that level of love and care. Uh, I have a thing here. Uh, Portal, Call of Duty 4, Modern Warfare, Bioshock, oh, dude, Super, Super Mario Galaxy, God of War 2, The Witcher, Halo 3, Team Fortress 2, and Crisis all came out in one year. Dude. Those are all like... And then, yeah, you have Mass Effect, Command & Conquer, Stalker came out, Assassin's Creed came out. Um, World of Warcraft Burning Crusade, which is considered the last great World of Warcraft expansion. Like, 2007 was the fucking year, my guy. Holy shit. That goes back to another thing that I think about a lot. Like, 2007 through 2009, that was like the last time that you really got new series that were huge. Because now it just feels kind of like the movie industry, where it's like... Reboot everything. Reboot. Sequels. Sequel. Something you already know. That's why I think for me, Ghost of Tsushima was like my game when it came out because like Last of Us 2 is great. Do not get me wrong. I'm excited for God of War and Horizon. Ghost came out and was like, hey, we did the infamous games. Yeah. But here's this. that We could have done infamous five or whatever the fuck they're at now. They're like, no, no, no. We're going to do a big samurai game that's really heartfelt, really good and phenomenal. And then they're like, but that's what we wanted to do. And it's a new IP that came out of fucking nowhere and was amazing and now like i want to see a sequel i want to see more when they announced the Iki island expansion i was like fuck yeah like i was all in and like same with cyberpunk it's like this is a granted based on something else but a new ip for gaming in this style right but yeah we don't get a lot of those how like yeah how many game series started in 2007 and 9 
Like, mm-hmm. those three years, I feel like, are such, like, oh, shit. Like, gaming pretty much started there when, in terms of the modern For era. For our generation, yeah. that's pretty much where everything that we're still going to play, like, today. Like, Matt always talking about uh, Dead Space. Like, that was right around then. Matt, Bioshock. Bioshock came out. Yeah, Dead Space came out around that time. The Assassin's Creed series, which I'm playing currently. Um... Call of Duty entered it probably what its best heyday with Modern Warfare 1, 2, and 3, Black Ops 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Like, that was Call of Duty at its peak of, like, oh shit. Right? Battlefield was, like, kicking it. Like, everything was going, like, just well for gaming. And, like, what? Like, Oblivion was, like, two years before, too? So, like, we still had yeah. great games coming out then. It's, like, the f- fucking Fallout 3 happened. Dude, yeah, that I didn't play it until years after, and it still changed my life when I got into it. Like, and that—that's what gets me. And then, like, you—you you start going into like, you know, your 2010s, 2011s, and 12s, and then you get like Dishonored came out, Skyrim came out, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood and Revelations, and three came out in three years span. Mm-hmm. Um, you—you you have like, like the end of that console generation saw like, phenom- Uncharted happened. Yeah. And, like, pulled PlayStation from his shit. And it was like, hey, see this game? This is a must-play. And, they st- and like, they started kind of going, okay, so exclusives. And they started... Last of Us came out after that. Mm-hmm. The Uncharted trilogy happened, then Last of Us was the... Was the that right at the tail benchmark. end of the... Uh, that was, like, pretty much the last PS3 game. I want to say it was probably the PS3 game that really pushed... Because, remember, if you actually go by raw sales, the, th- the 360 lost that generation yeah and i want to say it was last of us being the game that it was that pushed people who didn't have a ps3 to get a ps3 at the end there i think it was that and then the slim bundles yep. just being such a good deal mm-hmm. like that definitely pushed it over the edge but the ps3 is a fantastic console and it's just great games i still hate the dualshock as a controller i love the dualshock 4 and 5 or dual sense sorry um but like yeah no i the ps3 is honestly a great console that just because of how just the 360 just hit the ground running. Yeah. And then, you again, yeah, you don't see a lot of those cool things nowadays. Like, Back for Blood is cool, but it's Left for Dead again. Yeah. But this time, it's because we haven't had Left for Dead in a while. You know, like, Far Cry 6. It's the sixth one. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I'm just kind of, like, I don't know, not done. Like, we're excited for Final Fantasy 16, but it's like, Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic now. <laughs> well, yeah. But, like, we're, we're at a weird position where it's like, I, I always feel like... Like, I... AAA's not dead. I, I hate the people who are saying that it's dead and it's dying. Like, it's definitely going downhill. People are still going to pay out the ass for triple a games right now yeah people are still excited for horizon people are going to be excited for fable people are definitely going to be excited for well is hellblade 2 triple a now because hellblade 1 was technically indie uh i don't know it's a weird gray area with that one specifically i wonder if this is considered triple a you obviously you got gear six or whatever the fuck the coalition is doing next mm-hmm. you've got perfect dark you've got god of war ragnarok you got starfield all this shit that are still in breath of the wild too Hello, everybody. We're back. I am definitely need to get a new computer. Yeah, we popped off for a minute and it didn't get any of it. <laughs> yeah, we, we were talking about hyped indie or hyped, you know, AAA, but we were talking about like indie games and how like 
how because of how disappointing AAA has become, indie has kind of skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. You missed my entire love letter to Shovel Knight. I was gushing yeah. about Shovel Knight. So it sucks that we kind of missed that, but you know, I think I think this would be a good a good kind of way of us segueing into our next topic, which is you know the what we've been playing. Obviously, BJ's been playing Hades. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been playing way more uh, more Valhalla because the game is fucking long. Yeah. Um, I don't know how long I am till the end. Like, I truthfully don't. I think I have like three more arcs to do. Maybe. Damn. I just don't know because like I I got to the point where you get Sigurd back, which. It's like, all right, cool. And then I did the the other Odin part where you get to play as him. And I'm like, all right, what what next? And then I'm just like, go make more alliances, I guess. And I'm like, oh, fuck. So I'm now doing another, like, hey, go kill some some uh, Templar boys because your assassin buddy really wants you to. And I'm like, okay, fine. And then in my head, I'm like, does Eivor even join the assassins? Because apparently, and I looked this up, no, they don't. Wow, Avor straight up is a, the protagonist. Like Cassandra, I can understand because it's before the assassins, but Avor straight up is is like, nah, I'm good, dog. I don't think there's honor and glory in sneaking behind someone's back. Yet, like two minutes ago, I know for a fact the person who recorded that probably did that. Yeah, you could still go around and sneak around, but Avor's like, nah, that's not honorable. Fuck off. See, Valhalla to me seems kind of like the One Piece of video games. <laughs> where you can just what the fuck does that mean because you can sink your whole life into it and it's never going to be satisfying (laughs) and it caused some riots at that one there i mean i don't care one piece is trash hey matt you hear that (laughs) let me let me invite him to the party real quick (laughs) join that party invite yeah no but like i love valhalla i actually really like the game but it's 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 definitely like just it's too fucking long, dude. Like yeah. it definitely you could have cut some some of these arcs should have been side quests, like side arcs that you could do. But like the way the game is structured is it's like the next actual story arc you have to do it you're is like 30 levels ahead of you. So go do these two before that then go to that. And it's like fuck off. Make these optional. And then it's it again. The reason they did that is because they have a shit ton of microtransactions they want to sell, which mm-hmm. includes EXP boosts. Which I'll go ahead and talk about that. I mentioned this to BJ. I was I was very curious. And I wanted to know how badly do these EXP boosts actually like fix games? Like how bad is the level system to the point where you have to buy one of these? And so I bought them for both Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Valhalla to kind of test it. In, in Odyssey, it pretty much just puts you at the level you're supposed to be at, which is what most RPGs would be, where it's like, hey, to do the main story, you probably will get enough levels in between. It's why doing side quests in most games aren't going to like either give you a lot of EXP anyway, or the game is built to where the next main story quest will level with you. Mm-hmm. So like... You sh- you shouldn't be under leveled, but you should be like more skilled and more will like more available to take on the next thing. Right. That's how Skyrim is. You like you're probably never going to be under leveled for Skyrim realistically, but but when you come into contact with enemies that are higher level or have more health and more damage, it's you you should at least have the armor and the skills to do that because what what tree you're building through. Valhalla does not do this 
because it has a shit skill tree system and a shit skill system mm-hmm. and your level doesn't matter. So the game allows you two options. You can either painstakingly go through and pick which skills you want or which uh, like boost you want. Like, do you want attack boost? Whatever. Or you can just hit the middle button, like the middle thing that says let fate decide for you and it just evenly dispenses them all out which is the fastest, easiest way to do it. And lo and behold, it doesn't actually make a fucking difference. Mm-hmm. Because by because by the, the problem with this game compared to Origins and Odyssey is if, if me and BJ were to play either Origins or Odyssey, there's a very good chance by the end of the game we'll have two distinct play styles. I might go full warrior with like very little stealth. BJ might be like a sniper and stealthy person. I could be a glass cannon. BJ might go through poison damage. Who knows? With Valhalla, you're going to all be the same level with the same amount of skills and the same amount of things you can do. Yeah. And that's not fun. And then the way the EXP share, or XP share, not Pokemon, <laughs> EXP boost works in this game is it overlevels you to the point that you're absurdly high. Like, I am over, I'm at the point now where... there. <laughs> I'm at the point now where every main story quest I'm about, that I have to do, I'm overleveled. I have the DLC installed. The Wrath of the Druids DLC apparently starts at level 50. I'm almost, I'm 300. So when I go Ridiculous. play that, I'm, I'm going into the options for that DLC and I'm going, no, you better push those level ups higher because you can change the way it works. I want to be like a constant. I want every enemy that I face to be my level mm-hmm. for that DLC. So I at least get a, a little bit of challenge. So it's, it's bad. I, I, that's why I hate that power level system instead of just a classic. Okay, I'm gonna like the level cap and like I think Odyssey in Valhalla or Odyssey in Origins is like ninety. The cap in, in Valhalla is like four thirty seven, and it's just like Jesus Christ. Wow. Yeah. So that's been my experience. I like the game. I actually really do. I'm gonna compl- I complain about it a lot, but I I do like the game. I think the combat's fun when you get really good skills so the way you actually get like skills in combat is you have to go find them by getting a book of knowledge mm-hmm. and then i'm like keep looking at the computer because same like, yeah but you get a book of knowledge and it will tell you like okay you now have this flurry of arrows so if you like aim your arrows it'll mark a bunch of them and then you'll fling them in the sky and it'll like rain down on on enemies it's really cool or you get like this my favorite which is you just throw axes at multiple enemies mm-hmm. it's really good crowd control and like stuff like that the dive of the Valkyries, you jump up and slam your weapon down onto the ground. You level that up again, and you, it causes like an earth, earthquake or like a, you know, like an explosion of dust and particles and whatever. Mm-hmm. And it like stuns enemies. So you, you get these cool skills to use. And so it's really good. The rating system I actually really like because you'll be driving, driving, you'll be sailing in your boat. <laughs> I'm driving my boat around <laughs> um, back in Viking times. Uh, and you'll find like, oh, there's a monastery over there. They've got supplies. Gimme. And so you go in, take them, and then you go back to your settlement, and you can build your settlement, which I think is really fun in these games. It was one of the best parts of 2 and in Brotherhood, was rebuilding either your, your, your mansion place or rebuilding Rome. It was like, oh, these are really cool moments. Mm-hmm. And it, it's that again. And then, like, the story itself is actually pretty good. It's, it's this uh, Viking who is kind of realizing that the world is way bigger than what they thought it was and that you know you can't just go and um like life's not that simple and like you learn about the isu which is the assassin's creed's like precursor people 
and stuff like that and how it relates to the story and what it means for Eivor and what it means for Sigurd and this character Basim all this stuff and you're like this is really cool um, the actual like Asgard section of the game which is where you play as Odin is also really cool and like it it brings this kind of like mythical side to Assassin's Creed which uh, is, a, is a bad thing for some people mm-hmm. but for me it adds a bit more mystery because like very clearly the way the game structures is like that's not how it exactly happened at least not really so like it happened that way but it's in the veil of this mystical Asgard version right. when in reality you know that this probably happened in a way that relates more to the Isu. And I think if what I read correctly is they actually kind of relate it back to where it's like, okay, there's a reason why this stuff happened the way it did. There's a reason why um, Loki and Odin and Tyr and Freya, all these are, are Isu. They're not actual gods. They were just the advanced humans mm-hmm. from before. And apparently there's like this really cool cutscene at the end of the game that almost got spoiled for me, but I kind of forgot about it. But it's like it shows the actual Isu like world mm. and and it gives you the context of those Asgard sections, but in this version. So I'm like, okay, that's what I want to see. So I'm very excited to get to there. I'm going to be completely honest with you, though. I have no idea what's going on in the modern day because every time the one time they've pulled me out. I just kept pressing that B button, <laughs> skipping through all the dialogue. Just like, I do not give a shit. Yeah. It I haven't, doesn't matter anymore. I don't care. Like, I, I get it. They gave me a new protagonist with, with this new trilogy, but I don't give a shit. I really don't. All I care about is the history part now because I haven't cared since Desmond. And even then, I didn't really care because Desmond's a piece of shit. I don't like him. He's a very, like, <laughs> you ever look at cardboard mm-hmm. and just kind of go, man, that's boring. Yeah. That's Desmond. True. Yeah. So, but yeah, the modern day hasn't really mattered for years, so I don't care. I don't, if Ubisoft doesn't care, I don't care. But yeah, that's what I've been playing. I've also been watching the show called The Last Kingdom, which is Valhalla's got me all in for Vikings right now. Mm-hmm. Really good show. I'd say pretty underrated. It's, it's about to get its fifth season this year, and then they're getting a feature length movie to end it all, I think. Wow. So I'm kind of cool with this. This, this show's really good. I'm on season two. They're like eight episodes, I think, a season, but they're like hour-long episodes, so it's like watching a fucking movie. They're great, because it's it's like a historical drama piece about like King Alfred, Uhtred. Um, you have like the Ragnar sons. Um, there's like uh, Guthrum, who you know becomes like a Christian, and you know whatever. It's it's really cool. Like if you if you like like kind of the fantasy historical type shows, this is one of those, and it doesn't shy away from a lot of the like harsher aspects of that time period so like people die there are full-on moments of rape jesus and and like beheadings and like there's sex and they show it um they're not afraid to also point out both the best and worst parts of religion Mm. and you see it on both sides one of my favorite characters is father biaka and he's just a good guy through and through like he literally like every time he's on screen you're just like he just wants what's best for people and what he views as best is the Christian religion, but he's not going at it in like a deceitful way and like all this other stuff. He just really believes that like, yeah, no, this is the way to peace. And you have the same thing with King Alfred, but he's also a king. So he has to kind of rule more with an iron fist, be a, a lot less forgiving of like heathens and pagans and shit. Right. And 
And like you have other Christian characters who are like way more deceitful and like terrible people. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is like real life. This people are shit and great and whatever. And you go to the pagan side and you've got people who are who like are using the gods as a as like an excuse to kill people or who like are so dependent on that religion that like they they show no fear but you see how it deteriorates it's really good and i i i definitely recommend it it's on netflix um like i said season 5 is about to happen i think it's going to be the last season so the show will be ended so by the time you start season 1 and probably get through to season 4 5 will probably be out so highly recommend that show any anything else you've been doing or uh, well, I played a little bit of Halo Online, um, which was an absolute fucking nightmare trying to play with friends. Yeah. Um, and last night we played some Fortnite with Matt. That was fun. It was really fun, but there was one moment of the night that really just... <laughs> <laughs> there was one moment that really just... Oh, man. So so we, we brought BJ on, and, and Matt was talking about how he's not going to ever pay for any, as he called it, Fortnite bucks with his own money. Yeah. And so, BJ, would you like to kindly say what happened after that? I was going to buy Matt the Boba Fett skin so he didn't look like a scrub, and uh, I accidentally sent it to the wrong Matt. <laughs> <laughs> so The Boba Fett skin is also like $25, $20, so much? I, I just did the skin, so it was 1500 Okay. But I, I had it in my account, so I was like, I'll just kick this Matt's way. Okay. I know he likes Star Wars, but uh, I don't know if this other than Matt likes Star Wars, but I hope he enjoys his free skin. <laughs> we were playing, and then we get this thing where it's like, BJ just kind of says to the mic, Matt, I hope you enjoy the gift I got you. And Matt assumes it's, you mean the gift you gave me like a week ago? No, in Fortnite. And Matt gets excited, but then like, there's nothing in there. Mm-hmm. And BJ realizes at that moment, oh, I gave it, and I love how you go, oh no, I gave it to the wrong Matt. <laughs> and everyone, me, Matt, uh, I think his friend, I think it's Declan, Declan uh, all of us just start laughing. Because it was just like, oh no. Yeah, and then what made it worse was I was going to just resend it to the right Matt, and he can't even receive gifts for two more days. Yep. So what what a night. We uh, I don't think... We didn't get any victory royales, I don't think. No, we didn't. The highest we got was second place. Yeah, they. It's funny enough. I was so I was on mic with them before I joined in because Matt invited me to a party on Xbox, and I was playing Valhalla. So I was like, oh yeah, I'll just jump in to hear the party. They got a victory royale first of the night for them, <laughs> and then I jump on and you jump on and just nah, yeah, bad from that point forward. But no, yeah, it was a uh, it was a good night playing games with the boys. Definitely. But, uh, yeah, anything else you want to talk about in kind of the weeks or ready uh, to get to those news sections? Let's get to the news. That's pretty much all I've been doing. All right. First, Mass Effect Legendary Edition is coming to Xbox Game Pass. Nice. January 6th. So in two days. So none of you have an excuse now. Go fucking play Mass Effect. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, it's Mass Effect. It's the trilogy. It's great. Um, if you haven't bought the game yet, now you have no excuse not to. It's in Game Pass. Um, it's phenomenal. They're great. It's a great trilogy of games. I Mass Effect Two is in my top five games of all time. Mm-hmm. Like I can, I can, I can dedicate a whole podcast to this these games. I'm not gonna yet. Um, 
But like it's up there. They're great games. I highly recommend it. It's definitely the better option to play because Mass Effect One is very dated in in how it w- runs. But they've they've kind of fixed it a bit to where it's like okay, this works better. That's a good get for uh, Game Pass there. Oh yeah. Well, and I think it's going through EA Play. But uh, still, yeah, but I mean, most people have yeah, ultimate. It's so. part of the game pass. At least I think it might be like official game pass. Let me see. I'm going to get to the, uh, so it's PC and console. So I think it might just be regular game pass because mm. I don't think EA play is part of a, okay, no, yeah, it is EA play, but it, it is coming to game pass. As well as um, Outer Wilds is coming back into Game Pass. Nice. Which, great get for that. And uh, Spelunky 2 is coming to that as well. That's kind of the only, I think, gets out of this this uh, this batch, really. But yeah, Mass Effect's on Game Pass. Go play it. Nice. Um, Capcom video game director Hideaki Itsuno uh, tweets about a new up-and-coming project. Did he give details? So what he said was, if Twitter wants to look... God dang it, I fucking hate my phone. I'm hitting the X. Uh, Happy New Year. The next project is definitely ahead of last year. Please look forward to it. Definitely ahead of last year. What does that mean? I, I think it's probably like... I don't know. He can't really speak English, so there's that. But it probably means it that just, it's... It sounds to me like... We worked on the game we've been working on. <laughs> well, and it probably is just saying, hey, uh, we're further along than me. Like, whatever. I don't know. Point is, it's not Devil May Cry 6. It's probably Dragon's Dogma 2. And if that's the case, I am hype as shit. Because Dragon Dogma 1 is really good. I can only imagine what Dragon's Dogma 2 is, especially on the RE engine. And if it's going to be Capcom's like big game. Speaking of which, they've also reportedly been working on Revelations 3 for forever. Yeah. And we haven't heard anything. It was supposed to be announced last year, and we never heard anything. So. Was, isn't that the Switch one? Yeah they're, yeah, they're saying it would be Switch exclusive for the first little bit at least, and it would be the first RE Engine game natively on Switch. So I, I just uh, want to hear would more Would Monster Rise be that me? Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I was going to say, that Monster was RE. Rise. That one was RE Engine, but it was definitely a very, like, toned yeah, down they, for the Switch. It still looks great. It does. It's one of the best looking games on there, I think. All right, yeah. Um, I don't know. Is there anything you kind of want to add to the Dragon's Dogma? Because have you played the first one? I played like the intro mission, and I was like, "This is like Dark Souls, but not." Yeah. And then I played Dark Souls. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I I hope it it does really. I hope it actually does really well because the Netflix show was not good. That sucks. Yeah, and. So I'm hoping Dragon's Dogma, with, with Itsuno behind the wheel again, I'm hoping he can, like, add more to the game, do something for the story, for the combat, whatever. Point is, I'm excited for it. Big open-world fantasy RPG, and it's, like, dark fantasy, so it's not like the, you know, high elves and all this shit. It's, like, full-on, like, ah, oh, yeah, no, this shit sucks. Yeah. Uh, this one is for us. Sonic Frontiers was originally planned for a 2021 release, but Sega wanted to brush up the quality. Which, good idea, Sega. After seeing Sonic Colors on Switch at launch, that shit was rough. It does make me kind of question, like, ah, shit, what is what does this mean for for the game? Because like, I want this game to be really good. It it better be. I'll say that. Yeah, because Forces was, eh. yeah. Their their best game in recent years has literally just been Generations, and I feel like that was a fluke. Touch the thing. 
Yeah, when it goes to that, it should be fine. Well, I know that, but like... We never know. Yeah. We're, we're having a little bit of technical dish issues, so bear with us. We're not the professional podcast yet, so yeah. we're still getting there. But with with Sonic, next Sonic, whatever the fuck they call it, they changed the name like three times. The um, They say that they're focusing more on combat outside of a homing attack. So that that makes me wonder what they're going to do if it could be like an action, like stylish action Sonic game. Well, I wonder if it's going to be like he actually like punches and kicks. You know what I mean? Like, I, so I adding, think that's adding what it that kind mean. of stuff. Well, I mean, the way that I could view it is like, look how Spider-Man runs, right? Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, there's web swinging web stuff, but he also like can fling himself to enemies. You can imagine Sonic doing like a spin dash into a kick, stuff like that. So like, I don't know. Just maybe. adapt some of his Smash Bros moves into 3D and you're yeah. good. And what I want to see more than anything right now is focus on somebody that isn't Sonic for once. Like, right now is the perfect time for you to make Knuckles a playable character again. Considering that Idris Elba is voicing this motherfucker in a movie, everybody's going to want to see Knuckles more. Exactly. Everybody's going to be about Knuckles. If you're focusing on combat, this dude has actual spikes on his Knuckles, and his name is Knuckles. So put him in there. (laughs) Make another Sonic fighting game. That would actually be dope. There, there's uh, Sonic the Fighters. For, Which is... I don't know what... I think it was just arcade, but I originally played it on the GameCube with the Gems Collection. Yeah. I played the shit out of that game, and now it's in Lost Judgment, I it, think. It's in... Yeah, it's, you can fully... A fully playable version of that game is in Lost Judgment. That is hilarious to me. Yeah, and then there was the GBA Sonic Battle, which is like a 3D arena fighter with 2D sprites. GBO. Say, what the fuck? Yeah, it's... It's got that, like, Mario Strikers art style to it, and okay. the story is told through, like, visual novel cutscenes almost, but it's awesome. Just do more of that. Yeah, I, mean, I just want creative Sonic games. Like, that's why I kind of didn't like Forces, because it was just Generations 2, and not as good as Generations. Yeah. But yeah, Sonic game delayed, hopefully for good reasons and not for bad. Yeah. Um... NFL broadcast icon John Madden dies at 85. Damn. So, he's going to now... I mean, granted, they've been milking this cash cow anyway. It's the new Tom Clancy. I was going to say, yeah, you think this could be a now Tom Clancy thing where now that Madden's dead, milk that shit. Yeah, 100%. I mean, they've been milking it with him alive, so I don't really think it matters that much. True. Um, I mean, yeah, I figured we'd put it in there because Madden has been, like, gaming icon... Uh, I, th- I think Madden 2004 was actually a game of the year for some publications because apparently it was really good. I didn't play Madden games, so I wouldn't know. But I'm glad we're finally at the tail end of the sports game bubble, like bursting, because 2K every year just gets progressively worse. WWE has just been a trash fire the last yeah. couple times it's been put out, and Madden apparently has not been selling well at all. So I'm hoping this means that we could actually like. Because that's the problem with putting a game out every year. I You see with Assassin's Creed, which Assassin's Creed has done it better, which they have multiple studios working on it. Mm-hmm. So my thing is, I think you should do the same thing, is, I guess it's, the problem is, like, getting players, because every year players change and things like that. So, yeah. My thing is, like, all these sports games, now that we're in this era, I think are the perfect things to be live service, and I would have no problem with. Yeah, I think by this point, just making Madden a a platform. 
mm-hmm. and then like you put out like the 07 pack or yeah. whatever, yeah, or 07, whatever, 2020, whatever. I think would be like probably the best thing for them. Or just any, you can even make like an EA Sport. Well, they wouldn't do it this way because they'd want each one to be its own separate live service. But yeah. do like an EA Sports service that is all of them. And you give dedicated time to like these teams, but you build the the basis of each one and then just add to it. And then when it, and then when it's time to switch it up, because Madden gameplay wise is the same shit every year. Yeah. So, I mean, I yeah, just make it a live service, honestly, at this point. I, I think, think that's that would be awesome. Aren't they, isn't that what they're doing with the PS soccer? Uh, I think I, I know that's what they need to do with FIFA because on Switch they just keep making the same game and selling it back to you for sixty bucks for the last three years in a row, just with an updated roster. Yeah, yeah, no, the Switch Fifas are bad. Yeah. Um, this one is fucking baffling. Star Wars Eclipse might target a twenty twenty seven release date. What? Yeah. Why show it this early then? It's twenty twenty two. That's stupid. <laughs> like, you showed this in 2021. That means six years are going... Again, this is a rumor, so take it with a grain of salt. But yeah, fuck off. I promise you I'm not going to care about then. <laughs> yeah, no, well, that's the thing. is like, I'm not going to... I don't care right now. Yeah. Because especially when they've told me it's a long way away, I'm like, then fucking why show me now? And that trailer did nothing for me. It just was like, ooh, Star Wars. And I'm like, okay. Look, there's Yoda. It's Yoda. Oh, look, you know, see, it's a Star Wars thing, but with this new thing. And I'm like, okay, like this game is going to come out by the time the High Republic's fucking done anyway. Yeah. Like that's, that's what's baffling to me is it's like, God dang it, bro. They're going to move on to another saga. I wouldn't be surprised if we actually get the official Old Republic in canon by the time this game comes out. Yeah. And by then people are going to get and go, where's Revan? What's going on? Mm -hmm. So I I have no hope for that game, especially because it's Quantic Dream. Uh, David Cage is a piece of shit, so. I'm just ready for the new uh, Jedi game. Honestly, yeah. I hope to God it comes out really well. All right. Have you heard anything about Hunters? Oh, that, uh, the, the like, free-to-play? Uh, the free-to-play, like, arena shooter type thing? Is that what it is? Because it's, it's a shooter. I have no idea what that game is supposed to be. I think I got a gameplay trailer. I think I think I watched it, but it, it's like a free to play shooter type game. Well, that's that's okay with me. I'll I'll probably play that because when I saw it, I was like, oh, the art style kind of looks very like Fortnite esque. I was like, that looks like it could be a good time with friends, even and, though I didn't know what it would be. Well, I'm definitely gonna see. I, I, the problem is, I think it's coming out on mobile too. Oh yeah. So. I'm not really looking forward to it at all, but we'll see. Um, let's go ahead and get to the big boys of this one. Two, two pro, two news stories, kind of going to tie into each other. So first, Final Fantasy 16 development was delayed by almost half a year. The next big reveal is apparently set for spring 2022. Mm-hmm. Now again, we don't know exactly why. But it doesn't add confidence when... When this next news story came out a few days later. Square Enix says it hopes NFTs and blockchain become a major trend in games. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, like... I love Square Enix, but it's a very hate-love relationship. Yeah, absolutely. This, This really is like, god dang it, I can forgive a lot of shit you've done in the past. This is the thing I'm like, ah, nope. If the next Kingdom Hearts comes out, 
and I have to buy a fucking NFT Monster Energy Keyblade, I will kill everyone that works at Square Enix by myself. I my thing is I'm like, look, I'm just not buying like I I again I said this with microtransactions probably years ago, but like and who knows how well I'll keep to this, but like I don't want to buy a game with an NFT in it. Yeah. Like and what's gonna happen is I'm gonna turn into well, I'm just not gonna pay for the NFTs, which sure. I, I just my thing with NFTs is I don't understand them. Like you what, you own a JPEG image? Yeah. Guess what? My background is someone's owned image. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. I'm gonna use it as my phone background. And now there's a thing where people are literally screenshotting these images and reselling them as different NFTs. So it it's just stupid. Like it doesn't make sense. There's hardly any way to regulate that. At the moment, at least. The the way that I can see NFTs working, quote-unquote, for games is like, oh, this is a special one-time item in a game. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we're not going to make... Mo- like, you can't get this just because you have the game. But here here's the thing with and that. And then you can sell it. But then it's like... There, there was a... I guess you could call it an MMO. It was more of a social networking platform back in the, uh, the mid-2000s called Gaia Online. They did something very similar to this where they would have exclusive items only available for so-and-so amount of time, and it would be tied to your account, and then they had a real-world market where you could resell them and buy them for real-world money, and their whole economy went to shit, inflation was terrible, and this game has been written about in textbooks, because of it's just like a textbook thing about inflation and how you can ruin an economy very quickly. And I think... That if they really want to go hard into this, that's going to happen to Final Fantasy fourteen. That's what I'm more worried about. Is if because again, I see this happen because Ubisoft already put NFTs. I think in Breakpoint. Mm-hmm. I think it was Breakpoint. They've already implemented NFTs somehow. I I will fucking lose it if I if I get Final Fantasy sixteen and there is an NFT store in that game. Because then I'm going to be fucking furious. Yeah. That. Fuck off. Like, don't do this. Like, that to me is so predatory. Plus, the only reason they would do it is for the whole blockchaining shit anyway. Exactly. And it's to farm more crypto shit. And it's, and it's apparently bad for the fucking environment. It's terrible for the yeah. environment. And if a AAA gaming company gets into that shit, we are absolutely fucked. And we will die before the next generation is a grown up. Yeah, like that, and that, dude, it's fucking, I cannot understand, like, granted, I understand it, it's fucking money, but, like, come on, man, like, these have no business being in games at mm-hmm. all, like, to me, like, microtransactions, I, even then, it's like, I can understand that, because the whole point is, okay, but you get something, but everybody has access to it, you, like, you're fine, you can't resell a skin on, like, I can't buy a, a armor set on Assassin's Creed and then sell it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. You can, like, in Fortnite, you can gift it to people. That's it. Blessings. Thank you. Thank you. So it's, I just, I'm not looking forward to that thing. Yeah. And when it gets to that point where you have an exclusive item that is an NFT. And someone goes to resell it for an insane amount of money. You as a company are not making anything from that. 
unless you implement some sort of like transfer fee and all this other shit. But even then, it's going to be a minuscule amount compared to what this person is getting. So it, I don't see how it benefits Square Enix at all to implement this. There's got to be some backroom shit for it. Like, there's got to be like, oh, if you sell an NFT, you get this much money or something. There's got to be some like, like the the only reason I can see them openly admitting to this shit is if the number is fucking massive. Yeah. Like that, there got to be so many fucking zeros in that number they're looking at. That's like, oh shit, we have to do this. Mm-hmm. Because that's the only way I see this happening is that for whatever reason, there is money here. And they are willing to fucking say, I don't like, because at the end of the day, big corporate people don't give a shit about the game. They just care about the dollar signs that come next to it. Yep. Um, so like, that's just what pisses me off. Is it like, is this going to fuck up Kingdom Hearts 4? So is this going to fuck up Final Fantasy 16? What about Final Fantasy 7 Part 2? Like, what about any game? Well, and who knows? Not like, to mention, well, not Hitman anymore, but Tomb Raider now. Like, all these single player games... Uh, could just be potentially ruined by this decision. The thing, the thing that gets that gives me some pause is that Steam refuses it, so Steam will not have NFTs on their platform. But Epic Game Store is like, bring it on! Anything Steam you. doesn't know, they already said. Oh, they have. Yeah, I saw an article about it the other day where they were like, "Oh, Steam doesn't do NFTs. Well, we want to do everything that Steam doesn't do. So give that to us." I wonder if. Because that's the thing is Final Fantasy fourteen is a, is a Steam top seller. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're not gonna do it yet. Like that's the thing is I feel like Square Enix is saying this. It's going to take a while to implement if yeah. they actually do it. But like I don't think I don't think NFTs are going to be actually implemented like soon. But it's the idea of just like hey, it's gonna happen at some point. Mm-hmm. My my advice is be ready and be willing to not buy something for it. Yeah, like that's kind of the thing is it's like if you my thing is if you truly don't believe in the practice then do not support it right and then even even then if you if it's a game you just absolutely adore then like at that point then just don't buy the nft Mm -hmm. like don't even open that store page don't go to that section of the game if the game asks you about nft stuff anytime say no like whatever like there are ways you can fight that and if people see if these companies see that it's not profitable they're not going to do it because that's the only reason microtransactions have stayed this long is because people will buy them and people are going to keep buying them. Mm-hmm. If microtransactions were not profitable in Assassin's Creed Origins, they wouldn't have been in Odyssey and they wouldn't have been in Valhalla. But they were. People bought the skins. People bought the items. People bought the swords. Everything was bought. So they're like, oh, we got to do it. And it's the same shit now is, is if NFTs are bought even slightly, that's it. And I've and I'm worried that all these dude bro like these crypto bros are gonna come in and start buying NFTs and games, so, yeah. so that they can now resell this shit. And then I hope to God people in the gaming industry don't buy in, so that way these people can buy these things and try to sell them for outrageous amounts of money, and then not get it, and then realize they there's no money to be made here. I, it's it's scary to me. Um, I mean, I already have a lot of anxiety about <laughs> environmental issues. So if people playing Final Fantasy fourteen starts deep dicking our ozone, that's not gonna be good. <laughs> that game has a lot of players. Yeah. So it it's really terrifying. But uh Half Dive VR is becoming consumer ready, so hopefully I can just escape into the metaverse and leave this <laughs> world behind. 
That's another thing is like the whole metaverse thing that like Facebook's trying to do. That also terrifies me because of how that could fuck up the environment too. Yeah. Like, and they're fully on board with NFTs and all this other shit. And I'm like, I didn't know about them being NFT fags. Mm hmm. I can that's, say that, by the way. <laughs> He's got the pass. Um, no, but like, that's the problem is like every tech giant is all in on NFTs because of the tech behind it. But then it's like, no, this is bad. Like, mm-hmm. core. So that's the thing is I feel like at first when NFTs showed up, it was a cool thing. Because it's this idea that, yeah, it, like, especially at, at first when I saw it, I was like, oh, so you want to tell me that digital artists can actually sell their art and auction it off and make money off of it? That sounds cool. But it quickly but it, became yeah. like the real world art scene where people are using these pieces of art as currency yeah. and the artist really truly does not matter to them. Because I remember Corridor Crew did a video with, what was it, Burple or the, that guy who does like crypto art. Or I don't know if he still does, but he did at that time. And he, I think he sold. The reason people got fucking hype is because he sold one for $6 million. Mm-hmm. I think it was $6 million, But it was a huge-ass number that was like, yo, he sold a JPEG for a shit ton of money. Yeah. And it's like, ah, fuck. <laughs> like, so especially when that happens, everybody's going to try to do that shit. And it's... It's even worse now because I cannot go five posts on Twitter without scrolling past an artist that says, well, it happened again. Someone stole my art to make an NFT out of it, and I'm not making a cent off of this. Do you see that some of these corporations are jumping in, like Stan- the Stan Lee's Association did an NFT for an Indian superhero he made? Oh, my God. And it's like, dude, please, I hope this dies. <coughs> I don't know if it will because it seems that like everybody in the gaming world is like fucking pissed at this. And yeah. so I'm hoping this this dies off because the problem is like yeah a lot of these like yeah like the crypto bros and all these like these people who want to like not work a real job and instead just resell cryptocurrencies and NFTs and shit mm-hmm. and just stay at home mining this shit they're the ones who are gonna like ruin everything I yeah. mean I I don't I mean, want it, this to infect gaming and it seems like it's gonna it always within the last couple of years everything that is bad you can't find any consoles all these fucking NFT bros are ruining everything. It all goes back to a lack of care for other people. Yeah. (laughs) Like you just sit in your house and you do your selfish thing, never giving a shit about what happens around you. And then that mentality spreads and it's just making the world hell to live in. Well, and, and like, look at it too, from the art perspective. Like, I think that's why indie games are also going to be doing very, a lot better. Because I doubt you're, I doubt you're gonna see NFTs in indie games. That would be so fucking hard to implement. Indie games most of the time don't even put in multiplayer because it's too hard to do. So, at least from like a technological standpoint, I have faith. But a lot of these developers that I actually enjoy, Supergiant, um, Yacht Club Games, all this stuff, they they seem to have the integrity to not do it anyway. So, Yo, uh, Yosef, our boy, won Game of the Year straight up said nfts don't belong in gaming and he works for ea yosef is the hero that we need i hope to god he doesn't get pushed to do it because if i see an nft in his game all hope is fucking lost yeah that that will be the end i don't know it's it's just really depressing because like it it's one thing when you look at microtransactions it's like, yeah, it's it's bleeding some people dry, but you can see a spot where that exists in gaming. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm super cool with people wanting to pay to get cooler armor, or get cooler looking skins. That's one thing. 
the whole NFT shit. It's it's literally a microtransaction that you pay thousands of dollars for. It's essentially the same thing. That's what's gonna get me is like like what you said. Kingdom Hearts 4 has a monster energy keyblade that only you can buy once, so it's first come, first serve, and then next time you look at the store and it's fucking a thousand dollars just to buy that. Mm-hmm. And then next time you see a different a different user has that keyblade, now they're selling it for six thousand. And it's like, God, go fuck yourself. I just can't wait for the NFT blade with a fucking monkey on it to be the plot point of Kingdom Hearts 4. I I I'm I hope that the NFT stuff like I hope people keep just screenshotting these things and reselling them because that's gonna ruin the NFT market is if it's if there's no regulations and I don't think you can regulate it I'm hoping it ruins things and the same with the blockchain bullshit like get rid of it please yeah there there needs to be some kind of regulation at least it, on that end of it and it seems would... it seems like metaverse was the start of this shit and I don't like it so I'm real pissed at Facebook right now. Yeah, I, they I seem don't know. to be the lead of all this bullshit. I don't know anything about the whole metaverse thing, except for they call it metaverse, and it's some kind of VR chat. But uh, not even that, but like it's apparently like, again, they're going to get blockchain and NFT scalping and crypto shit. It's supposed to all formulate into one thing. And I'm like, fuck off. I'm not like I... I I'm not going to say I'm not going to use like Facebook. Well, I don't really use Facebook, but, like Instagram and shit. It's like, that's how I, you know, keep up with people. Right. But like, go fuck yourself. I'm going to use your metaverse bullshit. I don't care how cool the VR is. The, if, if, with if me talking about people getting like jobs and shit and metaverse, that is literally the plot of ready player one. <laughs> it's also the fucking, like, look how bad that implements in ready player one. Yeah. Look how bad that implements in every fucking movie or thing to do with like VR. We have volumes and volumes on why this is a bad idea, and you keep doing it anyway. Well, like, it's the thing of, like, look at the fucking Matrix. Granted, aliens, but still. Like, hey, Zuckerberg. Fair enough. That, that makes sense now. Yep. I, I'm just, I'm very scared for the future in general. It's even worse when you're, like, a Christian and believe in, like, biblical things, too. Yeah. Where you're like, ah, okay. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm... I just don't like how it's affecting gaming, especially like, I don't really like how it's affecting real life anyway, but like it's now jumping into what I have a passion in mm-hmm. and I'm like, no, get the fuck out. Yeah. When, when things start closing in, it gets a lot scarier. Um, but on a happier note, back to the VR thing, VR chat is really fun. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I have probably like one more little story we can talk about. Um, that is a happier note and just like, The I was on the uh, the Xbox store and like really loving the sales and all this other stuff, and uh, I I got Immortals Phoenix Rising for pretty cheap, like all the DLC, all the stuff. And I was like, oh cool, so I bought that, and now uh, I'm probably gonna play that game soon too. But like, I it got me wondering. I'm like, you know, I, and this will be the last story I think for the or not story, but just kind of topic. Like how how well an art style like speak I guess speaking of NFT arts and shit but like realistically how well an art style can sell a game yeah because like case in point Hades mm-hmm. it's the best graphic novel fucking art I've seen it looks so sick so fucking cool like I love it I think it's amazing like also like and how sometimes simplistic art works 
Yeah. Like, look at the fucking Witcher 3 cover art. It's bland as shit, but it's Geralt holding a sword on a white screen with some embers, kind of. Yeah. But you look at that and you go, ah, oh, gimme. You can kind of uh, you can kind of imagine what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Persona 5 is fucking amazing. Yeah, Persona just oozes style. Like, dude, I, I fucking hate, like... I fucking hate menus and UIs and games. Not that one. I love seeing every time. I, I love pressing pause because Joker would slam his hand on the fucking screen. I'm like, ah. It, like, on, a game's art style is fucking incredible to, to a game. And you can really feel when a game doesn't have its a distinct art style. Yeah. Because, like, I'm going to use Assassin's Creed again. Like, OG Assassin's Creed games had a very distinct style. And mm-hmm. that includes with the, with the robes they wore and everything. Just the... Like, when I think of Assassin's Creed, my mind is just, like, Rome. Like, ancient Rome mixed with these, like, little technological, like, lines and stuff. And that, that very distinctly sticks out in my mind. Even, like, even just the Assassin's Creed logo is yeah. such a, like, a very... Oh, yeah. When you can sell merchandise of just a logo, you know it's good. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, same with Star Wars. There's a very... When you think of Star Wars, there's a very specific image in your head. Yeah. And for me, it is very clearly just that original trilogy style of kind of the... It's space, but it's not pretty space. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you got the prequels, sure, but even then, some of those still has that distinct Star Wars style. Even the newer trilogy has that... It's like, you look at it and go Star Wars. Yeah, I I watched the first episode of Boba Fett. I don't think I talked about that, but uh, that shit is just gritty. <laughs> I'm so hyped. For, I have not seen it yet. I'm gonna probably watch it. It's soon. really good, and the uh, the next episode should be out tomorrow. So I'm glad they're doing that with Star Wars. Like, I'm so happy we're getting like new shit. It feels like they finally know what they're doing. <laughs> just waiting for that Obi Wan show though. It's coming, and I'm Dude, so hyped. I'm, that's the one I'm waiting on. If that's bad, I'm going to be really upset. Yeah. I will actually I, cry. I don't think it has the ability to be bad, considering they actually got Ewan McGregor and uh, what's-his-name well, back. Yeah, and I, I'm hoping that because with a new director, it th- that this director can really push these two. Because mm-hmm. Ewan is a great actor. Hayden, Hayden, in some of his movies, has been a great actor. Yeah, he just... I feel like Hayden did Star Wars, and then it's like that Star Wars curse where one actor from the trilogy goes on to have like a crazy good career, and then everybody else just never gets cast again. But Hayden actually did a couple of movies afterwards, and they're all pretty good. Yeah, like granted, the movie itself is kind of shit, but I liked Looper for what it was. I, I th- what was the that, movie? That is a concept. I had a conversation about that the other day. I think they should expand the Looper lore. Because there's, there's a lot there that they could touch on. Well, I mean, yeah, like, as a concept, that idea is really insane. So, yeah, I'm I'm all in for... I'm, I'm just in for creative shit. Like, Looper jumper, was creative. We meant to say Jumper. Jumper, sorry. <laughs> I think Looper is the Bruce Will- Willis and... Yeah, Bruce and, Willis and... and Gordon-Levitt um, Jr. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, yeah. yeah. Speaking of him, I want him in more movies. I remember there was a point where he was in a lot of movies... Yeah, there was, there was a him couple years where he was just in like it everything, was, was like action, a- comedy. Wasn't it like after the the Dark Knight uh, Rises or around that time where it's like he was in everything? I think so. There was that bicycle movie where he he faced against Zod on a bicycle. Mm-hmm. There was uh, wasn't he? Was he on? No, not Fifty First Dates. Was that him? No, it wasn't. Fifty First Dates was Adam Sandler. Yeah, no. Who was? What was he in? He was in a. He was in that movie with Seth Rogen, right? The Christmas one. 
It was like him, Seth Rogen, and Chris Rock stepped on the piano and did that dance. I think so. Yeah, I don't. There was a movie he was in that was like a nice kind of coming of age. Uh, the cancer one. Yeah, yeah, that movie. I'd forget that movie. The cancer one. <laughs> well, it's the one where they where I remember the I rem, distinctly remember the trailer. Two scenes of it is is this what you use to shave your nuts? And he goes no, and like they shave his head with his nut shaver, mm-hmm. and then. They go to the club, and his way of picking up girls, I have cancer. <laughs> and Seth Rogen's like, all right, let's go back to the drawing board with that one. Yeah. That's all I know about that movie. I never saw it, but that, 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 those two scenes from the trailer stick out in my mind as, as that. Because that was a formative when I was like watching trailers on TV, and I was like, oh, huh, cool. <laughs> and that was it. But uh, I don't know what we were talking about. But uh, Oh, well. We were talking about art styles. Yeah, I mean... There's really not much else to talk. We could probably actually like dedicate an episode to that, but yeah, I don't know. I think I think we're just kind of. It was definitely. I didn't really want to end on NFTs, but we did. But let, let me let me talk for like two minutes about Oculus then, because okay. I don't want to go out on that note. The uh, I recently was finally able to get it to run the side quest stuff, um, not affiliated with us, but it's where you can sideload stuff. I got the Attack on Titan game on there. You just be like, oh yeah, by the way, guys, we have an Oculus app. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we uh, we created all this content for Oculus that you guys can go and play right now. But um, got the Attack on Titan one, and then I got the one with the like the weapons and the realistic like physics. Uh, so I downloaded that, and I think I'll be bringing that to Matt's later. I brought it in my car. But looking at the pricing for Oculus games is like insane. Because you have some of these big AAA titles for forty or fifty bucks, versus you know seventy dollars for yeah. whatever, and it's just nice and refreshing to see they have a uh, a lot of good multiplayer options on there. Me and Matt just downloaded a um, it's essentially just D and D in VR, which is a fantastic idea. And if my old D and D group had Oculus headsets, I would suggest playing with them because I never got to use my goddamn dice. But uh. Yeah, Oculus fun for now. For now, yeah. <laughs> Until the NFTs. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm. I'm gonna just dip out. Pretty much is like I'm like nah. I I've, I literally all the NFT drama made me go. I'm not. I don't really want an Oculus anymore. But yeah, I'll, I'll wait. I'll see. They're saying the Quest Three should be coming out sometime this year. I think, and uh, if it has more processing power, great. But you know. So yeah, on that depressing note, guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, we're gonna be back to normal. We're gonna hopefully have some really you know passionate rambles. Sorry that our first one got cut. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm hopefully gonna get a new computer. I, I need to, or at least I need to probably fix and put it, things into the cloud now. Because I think I think yeah, it might just be like my disk drive or whatever inside the hard drive is fucking up. Mm. But um, yeah, thank you guys for for listening and. Uh, let us know what you want to see of us this year. Uh, if you've got any comments, any questions, obviously we've got the SideQuest podcast on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, Hit us can, up with some questions. We'll start answering those in the episodes. Yeah, we actually would. Um, you can also go follow me and BJ on, on that. I think and you can probably find that on, on the SideQuest page. If, if it's not there, we'll add it. Yeah, uh, I've got a Twitter now that I, I don't use. <laughs> um, and yeah, just... Let us know what we can do to improve this podcast. Uh, we should be back to normal. 
uh, schedules. We had a problem with this last one where I, all, I thought I lost it and had an entire like existential crisis where I, I got it back, saved it, and quite literally closed my computer and left my house to go hang out with a friend because I was like, I'm so stressed. I'm not dealing with this shit. So then when I got back home, I finished the edit and I was like, okay, we should be good. Nice. But yeah, so go... Uh, yeah, go... Just go to, go to the socials. Go check us out. Um, give us some feedback. Give us some questions. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys for listening. And as always, take it sleazy.